This is Trent Taylor, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today is a oh, he's a man who you know very, very well if you're out in the Twitter streets, especially if you're out in the Twitter streets looking for very, very opinionated people about certain NFL teams. I, I look, he he doesn't need any introduction. His name is Joe Goodberry. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. He's always talking Cincinnati Bengals. Joe, so awesome to have you, brother. What the hell's going on, man? Well, just trying to recover from the uh, long season, very long season, good long season. But at the same time, you know, I, it's kind of funny when that happens because I'm not used to this. I'm like, man, I didn't even watch the senior bowl. Did that happen? And I, I look back like I got to catch up on all this stuff. So it's kind of like a um, an emotional get yourself together because you don't got time because free agency and all that's happening right now. I just – I. I can't, I can't even say it because this is going to be on a podcast. I don't, I, I don't want to give away your email address, but you know, your, your email address is hilarious to me because I thought about it. What does this mean? And then I, because it has, it has something to do with having an early pick in the draft. And I'm like, what does this mean? And I, and I was like, Oh shit, I forgot. Joe, Joe's a Bengals fan. This is and, You know, what's funny about that is I've had that since 2005. Oh, it just goodness. it just worked out this way. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's in a as a Bengals fan, you've always been used to. I, you know, you've been so um, instrumental in like being like an early voice about the drafting process and stuff. Your team's always had such an early pick. You're never interested in the playoffs because the Bengals are never in it. Then this year is just completely completely different. Of course, the Bengals make it. I even I feel weird even still saying it. The Bengals make it all the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, just what like how was this year for you looking back? Did, you know, as far as your your memories of the your memories of the season, what is it that's going to stick with you the most? You know, I think there's a lot of uh, validation in this year for me personally because uh, you know, remember from 2011 to 2015, they had really really good rosters. They were drafting really well. They went to the playoffs five straight years, but it was always like you know, Andy Dalton is a good fine quarterback, but the league was definitely changing and it, it had been for a while, but it was clear to a lot of people that if you're going to win anything in this league, you're probably going to need an elite quarterback. Well, how do you do it when you're decently successful, when you're winning nine, 10, 11 games, how do you find that quarterback? And even if you don't draft one or try to sign one, you don't really make that move. Uh, well, the, the rug got pulled off from under them and they had, you know, four bad, five bad years in a row, uh, picking relatively high top 12 every year. So, that started to um, really crash things down again and rebuild again. And I think everyone got into the, all right, you draft the right guy. And if the right guy comes along, that can change your franchise. And we've seen it happen throughout the league, you know, but it, it's hard to find that right guy. It's hard to get it. Joe Burrow seemed very clear when he was that prospect coming out of LSU. So after he got hurt last year, his rookie year, you know, we were bummed. But at the same time, I thought he flashed enough to say that if he took another step, 
you know, adding a Jamar Chase, helping him fix that deep ball that was so poor his rookie year uh, and, and other things too. But, you, you know, you felt like this team could win if Burrow takes that step as a top 10 quarterback. They could win 10 games, and then you never know what happens. Now, nobody was, was thinking Super Bowl. Maybe they get a playoff win. Maybe they even get into the playoffs. But you you thought if everything went right, they could be in that position. And actually, everything went right. Bur- Burrow was thinking Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he was thinking Super Bowl. He said after that first he said after that first playoff win, he said, Look, man, I'm done. I'm done with this underdog stuff. Like, we're a good team. We got some good players. Um and they really do. I want to. I want to ask you about you know Jamar Chase and all this stuff. I mean, it's a fantasy podcast after all. But I always have my own just football kind of related questions. And to to me, whenever you look at this team, you know, I've talked to you. I've talked to you before. I probably years ago about Trey Hopkins and my thoughts about him coming out of Texas and stuff. I I look at this offensive line and it didn't. Was it not quite the hindrance to to the Bengals that you would have thought it would have been through the course of the playoffs? I mean, I know you get to the, I know you get to the Super Bowl and it's like, God damn, you know, it's Aaron Donald versus this, this interior. Like this is going to be tough, but it didn't really seem like it was the same hindrance that it was this kind of no name group through the rest of the season. What, what like what do you make of of where the offensive line is? Do you, I mean, obviously, I feel like they're going to probably need to improve that thing next. I know that I believe is Riley Reef going to be a is, he's is a free he, agent. He's a pending free agent. I know Spain's a pending mm-hmm. free agent. Jonah Williams is still there, but like what, do, like what do fans think of him as far as his progression? Can you just talk about the offensive line and how that is going to be addressed moving forward, and how you see that being a puzzle piece, you know, with with the Bengals as we look ahead to next season? Yeah, it's kind of been building towards this for a while. You can go back. They're still feeling the effects from the 2015 draft, taking Cedric Aboye and Jake Fisher in the first and second round. Those guys ended up busting. But before they knew they were bust, they let Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler walk in the 2017. Oh, God. Right. How does that come back to bite you as Whitworth beat you in the the Super Bowl? And Zeitler's still a pretty good guard for the Ravens now. Um, So Mm -hmm. that has had a double effect there in a lot of ways. And then after that, they draft Billy Price in, in the first round. He's not on the team anymore. They had to trade him. He just did not work out at all. And then so 2019, the following year, they draft off the lineman again, Jonah Williams. He misses his entire rookie year. Then he misses uh, seven games his second year. And you go into this season with so many questions on the offensive line, and they, it's been that way for like six years now of just how are they going to address center? How are they going to play at right guard, right tackle? And the Bengals really didn't do – I would say enough in hindsight to really shore up this offensive line. Sure. They signed a Riley reef to a one-year deal and he was fine until he got hurt uh, at the midway uh, point. Quentin Spain had a bounce back year at left guard, but again, he was a one year, $1 million deal. So it's not like they invested a lot. The whole debate on Jamar chase versus Sewell in the first round, uh, they go chase, but the idea was then you better draft an offensive lineman that can help you in round two. They draft Jackson Carmen out of Clemson. He can't get on the field for them in a Super Bowl at right guard when they absolutely needed somebody to step up there. So you look back on hindsight and you say, man, all the moves they did make, the little moves they did make, none of them really worked out long term. Where are they at right now and how does it affect them? The, the funny part of how you start that question is, you know, they still had an explosive offense. Joe Burrow still had a great year. Joe Mixon still still had a great year. Why didn't this really poor offensive line really hold them back more? Uh, and it really, it's a, it's, a, it's an odd thing. When you have a quarterback that can um, play well or, or maybe even sometimes play better when chaos is around him or pressure is around him, 
it really doesn't affect you too much to have him pressure. And if anything, it, it, it made him better in some key moments. The big thing is the sacks and the hits. You don't want them taken. You don't want Joe Burrow to get hit like that. But if you give up four or five sacks in a game, they average giving up three sacks a game and it still led the league. You know, that's only three plays you're killing on offense. You can still have a highly successful offense now. And we don't want Burrow getting killed. So I think the, right. the <laughs> I think the Bengals are gonna spend big, probably grab a couple free agents to bring in, probably spend a top three round pick on an offensive lineman again. They drafted three guys last year. It wasn't just Jackson Carmen. So they're gonna try and develop those young guys and see where they can get. Uh, but we like Jonah Williams. To be honest with you, there's probably only a few guys this year that you could pick up in free agency or through a trade that would be a better left tackle than him. guys like Laramie Tunzel and Teron Armstead. And, and you know, we'll see who else ends up on the, uh, out there for them. Maybe Orlando Brown is better. Uh, but a- after that, you're probably just better off sticking with Jonah at left tackle and figuring out the other guard spots and maybe upgrading from center if you can. Do you, if, if what, so let's just see, let me pull up Tankathon. I think I, I all right. So, you guys still have your 30, 30 if you pick at 31. Yeah, so you pick at 31. You still have the pick at the end of the second. You still have the pick at the end of the third. So it looks like a pretty, pretty chalk, pretty chalk set of picks here. You still got your end of the fourth, end of the end of the fifth, end of the sixth. Um at 31, is it gonna need like do, what about the what about the Iowa uh, center? What sure. about the Iowa center? What's his uh, was Tyler Tyler Lindenbaum? He's a he's a little bit smaller, a little bit undersized, but he seems like once he gets in somewhere, if they run a bunch of zone, uh, yeah. it feels like he's going to be a dude that's going to play for a long time. You know, you just put on his tape, and it's really it's really impressive. Uh, I wonder if you like if the Bengals would be more interested in maybe a guy like that, or if they're maybe hoping a guy like a senior bowl standout type, like maybe a Trevor Penning, or I don't know if Charles Cross is going to fall that far. Um, Do you you think that 31 offensive line is going to be in play if maybe one of those guys does happen to fall? And if so, would interior offensive line be in play considering it's not always considered such a premium position? Yeah, that's the key. I think that last part there is that's where you can find a good guard and sometimes the top center comes off in those last 10 picks or so. So, you know, I wonder where Linderbaum's going to go, if he's going to be a top 15 type guy, if he tests like an elite athlete and he is small. But Bengals are a wide zone team or they were. And, uh, you know, he'd be a great fit there. He's a good pass protector, too, even though he's not the biggest dude. Um, so, yeah, I think if that was there, they they jump all over it. But the hard part is projecting before free agency, right? You know this. If they yeah. go out and they sign three guys, they, they may just say, all right, we've got a hole at corner still, and we'll go draft the, the best corner there. Uh, free tech, they could draft a three tech there. You know, I, so I think there are options. I don't think they're, they want to get into a position where they're forced to draft anyone. Uh, the better you can project who's supposed to be there this far out and you go out and attack free agency, that's going to have a big effect on, on on what they do early in the draft. So you mentioned, you know, free agency is is such a big deal. Um, I wonder, it looks like, I just pulled it up, it looks like Ogun and B.J. Hill yeah. um, are going to be losing. Like, what, what, are, what are the Bengals draft need? Like, you know, for just for all the mock drafters out there, like, what, what do you, where do you view if clearly after free agency, all this stuff could change, but yeah. when, when we have a clean slate right now, when we're thinking about the guys, the Bengals could be poking and prodding on at the combine and who, you know, where their initial interest kind of could be a lot of this stuff before free agency occurs, a lot of the stuff that they're kind of thinking in their head right now about the construct of the team right now, it could bring extra attention to certain kind of players through this part of the process to where 
maybe they become more keen on them. So like, what, what are the, what are the spots right now? What are the holes? Like, where do you see them needing to definitely address either through free agency or the draft? Yeah. Clean slate, either resigning your guys heading into free agency or drafting. They uh, probably don't have a tight end because CJ Zama is a free agent and he was a key player for them. So either they extend him, he was making six and a half million last year. Do you want to spend seven, eight on that guy when you have already invested in, in wide receiver? They and talk about, back? dude, they talk about him and they like the, produ- like the, uh, the commentators in these games talk about him, like in the production meetings, they must talk him up because they, they because they talk about him. Like he's just such a critical key to the offense. Like, does that, I mean to cut you off but like i i definitely noticed the commentators and the announcers down the stretch of the, the you know whatever uzama was hurt just saying oh my god what a blow to the offense right. that is did like did you really see him like that he made key plays and key moments that's the thing and, and you know when you've got five weapons you can go to including joe mixon so you got your three receivers plus uzama and and there's going to be people that are lost in the shuffle uzama was the one for a lot of it but he had a career year talking about 500 yards as a career year. So what kind of guy are we really talking about here? And he's 29 years old and coming off an Achilles injury the year before. Um, so, you know, we like him. He's a, he's a good dude, but at the same time, you're going to give that 8 million when, when, you know, that's probably a starting guard. I think that's probably more important to this team and, the, and their success is sharing up that offensive line. So once they're past tight end, if they bring him back or not, I would still draft one. I think in the mid to late rounds, give me that an athletic freak, you know, some upside, uh, but they need to address right tackle. Is that bringing back Riley reef? Is that drafting a guy? Is that signing a guy? Same with right guard. They really don't have anybody there right now. They, they tried Jackson Carmen. Maybe he'll get another shot, but you can't depend on that. So I expect that to be a, someone they sign and, or add someone in, in the draft. Uh, Trey Hopkins is at center. He is okay. Coming off a few injuries now at this point, uh, he's still a solid player, but that you could probably upgrade and he's played garden in the past. So if you signed or drafted a center, you can move Trey Hopkins to garden. Oh, yeah. All right. And then Quentin Spain who held it down all year at left guard. I, I think he could come back on a cheap deal at left guard and, or they could go out and, and, and draft a guy. So offense still has a lot of issues, mostly being on the O-line. Defense, you're right, though. Ogan Joby and B.J. Hill, both guys played really well for them this year, gave a lot of pass rush. When neither guy was out, and really when one guy went out and Ogan Joby after that uh, wild card game, they really had no interior pass rush. It was all Hendrickson and Hubbard on the edge. Uh, so I think they could really use a three-tech, whether that's bring back one of those, two of them, and drafting one, however you want to handle that. That is a position of need. At corner is their other big one at defense. They signed Trey Waynes two years ago to a big deal. He hasn't played at all. He just basically stole all that money. So good for him, but bad for the Bengals. They, <laughs> luckily, they signed Eli Apple to a, a vet, vet minimum deal, and he was fine there. You know, he, he mm-hmm. ended up being the guy who gives up the last touchdown in the game, but you're going against Offensive Player of the Year, so I really can't be too mad about that. Uh, point is that he's a free agent as well. So do they bring him back on another cheap deal and draft a guy? I think that's probably the route they take. I don't expect them to spend a lot of money at that other corner spot because they are paying Mike Hilton. They're paying Shadobi Woozy. They're paying Von Bell, and I expect them to pay Jesse Bates at the other spot. You kind of want to go cheap for that other fifth guy in, in the defensive backfield. You So so you think they'll bring back Jesse Bates? I do. Yeah, I think at the very least he gets tagged, right? you got a 24-year-old guy who started four years, team captain. Uh, the tag would be $12.9 million, I, I think. And so, uh, if you're going to extend him, you're probably looking at 14 to $15 million anyway, so it's cheap to to tag him this year. I think he wants to be here, and I think they want to keep him, so they're going to work on a long-term deal. Who who played who played the predominant nickel? Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton. All right, 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 right. Okay. Um, and 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 he's and he's back. 
He is back. They signed Awuzie and Hilton to three-year deals last year, and both played really well. Yeah, yeah, those are good. Those are good deals. Okay. Um, did you want? Uh, were you t- like I? I? I like atoned for my mistake about saying it was bad to take Jamar Chase over Pene Sewell after probably three or four weeks of seeing Jamar right. Chase start to kind of do his thing. I said, all right, all right. I was, I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Like I'm, it's okay for me to admit it. Um, but at the time I thought like, dude, Burroughs, Burroughs coming off an ACL. Like he's like, that's your franchise. You got to protect him at the time. Sewell looked like a good prospect. What were in your heart of hearts? Did you want Sewell or did you want Chase? I thought last year's draft was extraordinarily strong at O-line and on day two. And and I thought you'd be able to find a good player that could plug and play, man. It, you know, it could, think about it this way. It, had they have not drafted Jackson Carmen, instead drafted Creed Humphrey or Sam Cosme or go through the list, there's a bunch of guys mm-hmm. that ended up playing really well as rookies. They probably might win the Super Bowl with one well, extra they, offensive line. If they had Humphrey? If they had Humphrey? Right. Think right. about that. You probably do – Beat the beat the Rams there at the end because this O line just could not hold up any longer. And adding one more high level player would have been the difference. So, you know, I did. I thought both were elite prospects. That's the thing. Like I looked at Chase and was like, "Whoa, man, that guy can do it all." And I thought, you know, there were some people that were like, "He's kind of an Anquan Bolden. Is he gonna run a four or five? And I thought people were out of their minds with yeah. that. Like looking at it now, I mean, he's a clearly a four three guy completely, <laughs> and and just you can't touch him athletically. Uh, and so, like, I think that was part of the struggle. Is is we didn't fully grasp how good Jamar Chase was for some weird reason. And, you know, I'm talking as a collective draft community. We knew he was good, but what did we know he was going to do this? And, like, this, it was a tremendous rookie year. Obviously, I think it's the best rookie year we've ever seen at a receiver. Goes all the way in the Super Bowl and still, you know, has a big game in the Super Bowl. Uh, so, you know, a lot of props to him. But I did think Sewell would be a franchise uh, left tackle type guy. And I think that's hard to find. Actually, I think that's harder to find than a number one receiver. So, I did understand completely why someone would want Sewell, and I, I made plenty of arguments for it. You play fantasy, uh, I think, right? You play yep. fantasy, don't you? Yeah. Is 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 Jamar Chase going to be worth one of these, like one of, like a pick in like the seventh overall pick or something like that? Considering you also have T. Higgins there to deal with, right. I believe Tyler Boyd will be definitely be back. Yeah. Um, Joe Mixon bites off what he had forty eight targets or something last yeah. year. Is Jamar Chase to you worth like a mid first round pick in your in your home fantasy leagues? It'll be close. I I, I would say more comfortable if it, if I'm at the end there and at 10, 11, 12, you know, maybe even at the top of the, you know, uh, second round. I think that's an easy pick there. But I, I do think it's in that range and could be. And you're right. It's because of the games that Higgins will have or Boyd will have. Or just, you know, they team wanted to take Jamar Chase out of the game. All right, fine. They're 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 completely comfortable throwing it up to Higgins downfield or letting Boyd get seven catches in that game. So they're not going to force it. Uh, at the same time, man, the, the big games he had will win you uh, any game that week, you know, and it's just like, that's hard to give up. That's hard to pass up uh, a lot. There's a lot of consistent number one type receivers you will draft, but the guys that have those games where you're having 200 yards and, and multiple touchdowns. I mean, that's, those are automatic W's. And I think he's the way he's built too. I don't think you should have to worry about injuries, knock on wood a little bit, just because he doesn't take too many hits. I, I bet out of his hundred you know, or so catches throughout the playoffs and everything, he was tackled by the first defender maybe 15 times, just watching every catch he, he did this year. It just He doesn't get hit like that, and uh, it should be a good sign that he stays healthy for a long time. 
I just I just wanted to look here and just like, all right, so I pulled up the ADPs from these er, super nerdy, like early, early best ball stuff. Jamar Chase is actually going right now at one, two, three, four. He's 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 going at the one point zero five and half point PPR. So it goes Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, Derrick Henry, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is going before Austin Eckler, Justin Jack Jefferson. Najee Harris, Tyreek Hill. I mean, that feels it feels a little or feels a it, little early to me, just based on the target competition. Right. You, you think know. of Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams if they stay in their situations. I mean, those guys are going to put up huge numbers as well. Yeah, and t- would you? But listen to this. T T Higgins is going. So tell me which one you would rather have in fantasy. Okay. Because do 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 you have any guesses about where where T Higgins is going in comparison to Jamar Chase? Third round, he's going at the exactly. He's going in the third round, pick twenty seven. So that would be the three point zero three. So it, uh, in a in a in a twelve team league. So if we're talking right. just a regular old half point PPR home league, twelve teams, would you be more interested in Jamar Chase at one point zero five or T Higgins at two point zero three or three point three point zero three? If you look, T Higgins actually, I think per game is getting more targets and more catches, uh, but. T. Higgins has been both years now has missed games and missed time because of little nagging injuries here or there, whether hamstrings, shoulders, different things like that. So, the, you know, I could kind of see that continuing the way he's kind of built, you know, long, longer, lankier dude that really doesn't make guys miss the way I, you know, championed uh, Chase just a second ago. I don't think T has that ability. Uh, so, you know, I kind of do think that, man, that's early for Chase. So I wonder if I would go that way if I, you know, if I felt more comfortable with Higgins in the third round because back to back thousand yard years basically. And I think the touchdown upside hasn't even been reached yet with Higgins. I think we we could see a uh, you know positive boom on that side if teams really start trying to take away Chase, where Higgins comes away with a twelve touchdown type year. So I think there's a lot of upside in that pick. To me, it's just to to me what it says is if you're picking those guys, you know Joe Burrow is going at one, two, three, four. He's going to like between the quarterback five and the quarterback seven it's almost like if you got two two top three round wide receivers they're connected to this guy maybe you just get joe burrow and you try and you know right pick, pick him up in the seventh round or something get all the it, get all the receiving out of both those dudes. that's <laughs> right that would be an interesting play because you feel like one guy is gonna have a big game no matter what right right uh okay and speaking of big games i mean joe joe mixon through the through the course of the season certainly had some big games i just like to ask you man um as as people who used him in fantasy, a lot of times we would be so tilted about so much Samaj P. Ryan. Samaj P. Ryan looks like he's kind of old and stuff. Like, he is. I mean, do they? Why do they like using him so much? Why didn't they use Chris Evans more? What like? What do you think about that whole situation? You know, it's funny when they cut Giovanni Bernard. It wasn't for cap money. It wasn't for anything like that. He was still a really good third down back. Always has been, right? Um, and you and that was always our excuse for why Mixon wasn't playing more and wasn't getting more involved in the in the passing game. It's, well, they got they got Gio, and he's so so good at pass protecting. He's, you know, he, it's a nice change of pace. That's not really a bad thing. So when he was cut, I was like, you know, this really has to do with Mixon's contract. You don't want. And this is exactly what I said and and wrote about at the time. I said they don't want Mixon on the bench in a two minute drill or in a late game situation or right before half. And it's funny because a year later in the Super Bowl, he's on the bench for that last drive. <laughs> and it's because they still don't um, trust him in pass protection. He's got to meet them halfway. They keep trying to give him a little more in pass protection, a little more, a little more. And when he has a game, like in the Super Bowl, he gave up three pressures in a sack and just, I think eight uh, blocking opportunities. 
they just they're not going to put him out there. And he's got to take that step if he wants to be that complete type player to be on the field more often. It's something I would continue to monitor if you have a late draft and all the way into the you know preseason or so. Is Mixon being used more? Are they talking about Mixon being more involved in the passing game? Uh, because that's what's going to get him on the field if he can block. And so that's what I would look for and pay attention to. He's a good player. And, man, you remember coming out of that draft, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette goes high, Christian McCaffrey goes high. But I thought it was like McCaffrey and Mixon as like the two best receiving backs in that draft. And, yeah, like Kamara ended up being really good receiving back. But, like, you see Fournette, the way he gets used even with the Bucks. it's like he should not be catching more passes than Joe Mixon. He should not be involved more than Mixon. And lastly, though, on Chris Evans, I'm with you. I think the guy is, is going to be a playmaker, and, and even if it's a limited capacity. I think as they continue to go, uh, I know the offense coordinator is very high on him, Brian Callahan, so – I think next year could be a situation where he ends up being the number two guy. He's not the pass protector as Pirine is, and that's what also kept uh, Evans on the bench. So you're saying, because I was going to ask you, so last year, um, I don't have, I should have just had it pulled up and known it off the top of my head, uh, like targets, I could probably pull it. So targets for Joe Mix. Jeez, I got to scroll. Okay, so targets for Joe Mixon, 48 targets. Uh, but 42 receptions, which is, I mean, that's yeah. pretty good considering the fact, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott had 65 targets, 47 receptions. Alvin Kamara had 67 targets, 47 receptions. Saquon had less receptions than, um, had fewer receptions than uh, Joe Mixon, 41 receptions last year on 57 targets. So when they threw him the ball, he looked good. We Like you said, we saw it clearly on his college profile. Yeah, I can still remember the game. I forgot what game it was, but I'm like, dude, he looks like Le'Veon Bell turning around making a one-handed catch. Texas like, Tech? Was that? Yeah, I think I think it might have been tech. Yeah, I think you're right. But um, you just think, yeah, he's going to be so good. You, you really do – like, so the pass pro, like we need to really pay attention to the reports yeah. – about the pass pro because otherwise, I mean, so it looks like Samaj P. Ron's. Is he back? Is Samaj yeah, back? I think I think he is. I think, I think last year. I think he's back. And then, uh, of course, Chris Evans is going to be back. I mean, if that thing devolves into where we start seeing more Chris Evans, but oh, no. Samaj P. Ryan is is the the old tried and true dude for passing situations. Do you? I mean, that could spell trouble for us when we're working on the margins here, trying to find some value with a guy like Joe Mixon. Um, if you know, so I mean, is it just really that that much? Just it's his pass pro because obviously he can catch, right? It, I mean, it really is just the, the pass pro stuff that we need to work. I, I believe it is, and they were really wearing him out in the beginning of the year too, where with a lot of carries because they were trying to protect Joe Burrow a little bit more and not, uh, you know, put him out there while he's still recovering those first six weeks, six to eight weeks or so. So they really leaning on Mixon, his targets and his his touches, um, total touches last year were getting pretty high towards the halfway point, and they had to really start scaling it back. And then they obviously play at seventeen games, go and play three more. Uh, playoff games plus the Super Bowl so they may want to scale him back anyways and, and and not give him too much the other factor I would look at though and maybe we revisit this after the free agency and the draft goes by if they shore up the offensive line to the point where they are they're not needing to keep extra guys in the block maybe that allows you to keep mixing in and you can put mixing out and let them run routes because the offensive line now can protect at a competent level 